Welcome back to Ask Me Anything, where Pastor J.D. Greer answers your questions. We are actually in the middle of a bonus series as J.D. is answering some of life's biggest questions. This series is called 12 Truths and a Lie. So one of the most ancient questions for Christianity is if God really is in control, if he's really loving and powerful like he says that he is, why is there still so much evil and suffering? It just sometimes feels pointless. I get into this question in the book because it is really one of the questions I get asked a lot. And uh, you know what we do in this podcast is we want to share things that are parallel to it, things that will actually broaden your understanding and, and take you deeper and make you more equipped with it. So the sketch of the answer is there in the book. But I wanted to talk in this episode about something that has really helped me kind of come to understanding when it comes to this question, and that's the bigness of God. And I know that you're like, what's that got to do with anything? Here's the deal. A lot of people stumble when they get to this question because they basically like to think of God as a slightly bigger, slightly smarter version of us. And so they can understand why what God is doing, it just doesn't make any sense. So they're like, well, it doesn't make sense. And so maybe you're not there. or Maybe you're not as good as I thought you were. We like the kind of God uh, to think of God in a way that that is small, who feels safe to us, a God who doesn't embarrass us, confuse us, a God who doesn't contradict us or make us mad. But here's the thing. This is simply not the God that we encounter in the Bible. The God of the Bible is the opposite of small and manageable and understandable. He's big. He's not just big. He is bigger than big. He's bigger than all the words we use to say big. He defines our attempts to categorize him. And here's the irony. Only a God like that, I'm going to show you, is capable of sustaining our faith, encompassing the mysteries of our existence and only a God of that kind of size is really um, worthy of our worship. Um, only a God like that can ignite our passions for him. And I think of the words of Evelyn Underhill, a God that is small enough to be understood is not big enough to be worshiped. Solomon calls this recognition of the size of God. He calls that the fear of God. And he says that the fear of God, the recognition of his awesomeness and largeness, he says that's the beginning point of faith. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That verse means that without a trembling awe before the majesty and the sheer awesomeness of God and his incredible size, it means we'll never have any real knowledge of God. This is the step that personally, for many years, I just I tried to skip in my faith. Um, this is not a popular confession to make as a pastor, but throughout my life, I've struggled with belief. Um, hard questions like the question of suffering or the question of hell. Um, both of which we discuss in this podcast and in the book. Um, I've come to see that one of my primary problems with these questions stemmed from a conception of God that was too small. I wanted a God that I could understand and relate to, a God, like I said, that was a slightly bigger, slightly smarter version of me. And then one day it occurred to me as I was reading the Bible that a lot of people in the Bible who were writing the Bible seemed to have the same struggle that I did, um, feeling bewildered by some of the things God does or doesn't do. You know, it's amazing when you consider how many of the greatest saints in the Bible doubt it. I mean, go with me here for a minute. Job, Job, whom we're going to look at in just a minute here, about whom God said there's nobody on earth more righteous than him. He spent several chapters doubting, saying, God, what are you doing? Are you even there? Um, David, David, whom God called a man after my own heart, repeatedly complained in the Psalms, God, you must have forgotten me. That's the only explanation for why my life is where it is. John the Baptist, whom Jesus called the greatest prophet ever to live. John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, who Jesus called the greatest man ever to live. 
uh, went through some things where it didn't happen the way he thought it was. And he actually sent messengers to Jesus saying, are you really the Christ? He doubted. Maybe my favorite, Matthew 28, 17, after Jesus is resurrected and the apostles have spent 40 days with them and he's about to ascend into heaven. As he's ascending into heaven, here's what it says, Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I mean, get the image here. You've got, I mean, he's floating in the sky. He's going up to heaven. He's seen him resurrected. And some of them are still doubting, like, I don't know. I mean, you say, how is that possible? It's that they still had so many questions. If Jesus really was the Messiah, why was Rome still in charge? Why would he be leaving now? Why was there still sickness and, and people that were in pain? They had questions just like us. And even after seeing the resurrected Jesus, some of them doubted because there were still so many unanswered questions. That brings a relief to me, and I hope it does to you too, because it means it's a, a common experience in this journey of walking with God. In fact, I would even go so far as to say, it's kind of the premise of 12 truths and a lie, is that doubt is not always a bad thing. Sometimes doubt is a divinely orchestrated thing to draw us deeper into our relationship with God. I love the words of Charles Spurgeon, who said that doubt is like a foot that is poised. Like when you pick your foot up, a foot poised, it can go either forwards or backwards. Yes, doubt can drive you backwards into unbelief. But also, you can't take a step forward until you pick up your foot, which means you'll never go deeper into the mysteries of God to know him until you pick that foot up. And sometimes picking that foot up expresses itself as a question or a doubt. So to that end, I want to unpack for just a few minutes on um, this podcast, the experience of that man in the Bible I referred to just a minute ago, who had more questions for God than maybe anybody else I know of. In fact, his name has become synonymous with confusion and doubt. His name is, is Job. Thanks for listening. Get more 12 Truths and a Lie, answers to life's biggest questions from Pastor J.D.'s upcoming book by clicking in the link in the show notes below. We'll answer more of your questions next week here on Ask Me Anything. Thank you.